0: I don't think any of us believed that this could happen. On February 24th, Russia began its invasion of Ukraine. Not being a member of any military alliance, Ukraine is left to defend itself against the second largest army in the world on its own. This kind of unjustified violence is difficult to watch for all of us. As I record this program, we are now in the third week of the conflict, and as the story continues to change by the hour, there are now close to three million refugees and the number of casualties, while it is not reported, also continues to grow. Still, the church and church agencies are in Ukraine helping, providing support, refuge, and comfort. Two weeks ago, I had the chance to speak with a panel of experts, and then a week ago, we received a new update with reports from Caritas agencies that are working on the ground and two volunteers who are doing all they can to help. Today, we bring you these conversations. We begin with a panel discussion I had with Bishop Brian Beda of the Ukrainian Catholic Eparchy of Saskatoon, an apostolic administrator of the Ukrainian Catholic Eparchy of Toronto and Eastern Canada. Joining him was Carl Haytu, Executive Director of Development and Peace, Caritas Canada, and Victoria Markel, Youth and Young Adult Minister of the Ukrainian Catholic Eparchy of Saskatoon. Bishop, um, I thought maybe we we could start with you. Um, we've heard for weeks that a Russian invasion of Ukraine was imminent, but we didn't think it would happen. As a pastor, what was going through your mind during those weeks preceding the invasion, and maybe even in the last week? Um,
1: as the uh, metaphor was always used by Christ, uh, uh, we are called to be shepherds as apostles. We're Caring for our sheep the best we know how. It's not always perfect, and uh, it's it's a, certainly a curveball. I never thought this might happen in my lifetime, but it is what it is. And so I, I want to keep my sheep together. Uh, let them know that despite the suffering that comes our way, uh, God is always with us.
0: That's so true. Carl, what, what do we know about how this conflict is, uh, is affecting the church specifically. And maybe I'm thinking even not just the, the Ukrainian church, but maybe even the Russian Orthodox church, because I understand that there is fairly good relationship between those two churches.
2: And of course, the presence of the church is, always has been very strong in the last 30 years, but the last thousand years, right? It's the church is part of the nation of the Ukrainian. The two, the nation and God are one, really. And that's what makes the Ukrainian people so strong. And, and so when you go to Lviv, for example, you go to Kiev, you go to, to all the different rural areas, you will see all those churches, huge churches as well. The, the, the subord, the cathedral of the Greek Catholic Church in Kiev is that symbolism of that uh, that place that the Ukrainians play um, in, uh, uh, over there. And, and during this this war that nobody wants, that nobody needs, um, the church is very much present. Uh, the priests are standing their ground. They're helping people. We've heard stories of, of priests listening to the confession of the soldier before they go to the front. Uh, we hear of priests uh, helping out mothers and fathers that have lost a son or a daughter in the front or come back injured. But that's not new for the church there. You know, since 2014, uh, the, the church and Caritas locally had to adapt to this new reality Mm -hmm. Uh, that was provoked by Russia. And now that's the final blow. So all the churches are, of course, denouncing this insanity, are praying for peace, uh, but they are also part of the humanitarian aid, spiritual aid um, and psychological aid that is much needed at this time.
0: Right, and Carl, you mentioned all the churches and maybe I can ask uh, Bishop Beda, this does include the Russian Orthodox Church. Can you tell us a little bit about the relationship between the Ukrainian Catholic Church and the Russian Orthodox Church?
1: Well, uh, there has been a, a difficult past at times, um, and uh, Kiev, being our ancient uh, uh, city uh, where uh, Ukraine accepted uh, Christianity, uh, there have been, you know, uh, sometimes uh, jurisdictional uh, differences, etc. But uh, we all pray to the same God, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Victoria. You you have friends and family in Ukraine. I, I presume you've been speaking with them several times a day. What what are they telling you about what's happening right now?
3: Uh, you know, I came to Canada five years ago, and the majority of my family, of my relatives, live in western part of Ukraine, and it's most relatively safe. There. Mm-hmm. But I still have cousins in Kharkiv. I have cousins in Kiev and i hear i i speak with my parents every morning while doing lunch for my kids um, and i hear them saying that there are so many young soldiers lying dead on the streets 17 20 years in Kharkiv and it's really painful because these are these are someone's sons and no matter whether they are Ukrainian or Russians, but these are human beings, God's children. Like it hurts, it really hurts. They all are in the shelters, in bunkers, and their lack of food and lack of medical supplies. So Western part of Ukraine is provides huge help support uh, in terms of human, humanitarian things to Uh, eastern and uh, central part of Ukraine. This is the collaboration, this is the unity in love and truth and support, but not in hatred and revenge. And I know that western part of Ukraine, where I'm from, from Sambir, uh, my cathedral, which is considered to be the second largest cathedral in Ukraine, it turned into the center of humanitarian help for refugees, for like supply, different military supplies, young people are making uh, masking nets. They are sewing lots of things. People are united, and right. but still they are wounded, and this is what what we need to think of wounds, Christ
0: wounds. Right. Are, um, I'm sorry, you, you said, are your parents in Kharkiv? Are they safe?
3: My parents are in Sambir, in western part of Ukraine, right. but I have cousins right. in Kharkiv and I have cousins in Kiev.
0: And your cousins are safe? In,
3: in... Relatively. It's, it's right. difficult to say because this moment, they may be safe, but another moment, you know. Right. Hard to predict, yeah.
0: Bishop Beta, I'm sure that you're also in touch with uh, bishops in Ukraine and, and priests. What are they saying? What are they telling you?
1: Well, uh, it was certainly inspiring to know that the uh, Ukrainian Catholic bishops, uh, the, the Greek Catholic Church, the UGCC, uh, they met uh, sometime just before the the recent invasion uh, and uh, remain with their people in their own eparchies no one was fleeing, it's very inspiring to see how they are staying with their people, to offer them uh, verbally and non-verbally uh, a reassurance that God is with them, uh, uh, as it were, ready like so many others to lay down their lives.
0: It, it is inspiring and, and heroic, and I, I hate to say this, but I think that that is exactly the role of the church, to suffer, to suffer with the people. Um, Carl, I understand that most of the agencies that are providing support and help are Catholic agencies. What do we know about how some of these Catholic agencies like Caritas have been responding even before the invasion began, but in the last week?
2: Yeah, but you know, the contact we have with Caritas uh, Ukraine and Caritas uh, Specs, there's two Caritas over there, one with the Latin Church, the other one with the Greek Catholic Church. And uh, both have been preparing for months. Uh, purchasing uh, blankets, equipments, <clears throat> uh, water, everything, you know, and uh, you can be as uh, you think you're prepared, but when the bomb starts falling, when uh, the the massive attack from all corners of the country coming in, people are starting to flee in mass. I mean, you become overwhelmed rapidly and that's what's going on. And, and it's so fluid. People go from one place to another. So then the aid needs to follow as well. We know certainly that about 70 centers and over 2,000 volunteers and staff are helping out. And they have to move where the people are. Many of the volunteers are welcoming people in their own homes uh, uh, as well. And so um, uh, while they're in transit. And so you can just imagine somebody that is a diabetes type 1 and needs insulin and leave the insulins back home. There's no like right. uh, stops to get your insulin on the way. So that's just one example of how harsh it can be. And, and so transport is a big issue to help families go from one place to another. And a lot of locals are using their cars to bring people to another location. They come back doing the taxi. Um, you know, people need food. People need the shelter. People need the psychological help in particular children that are very mm-hmm. uh, traumatized with everything, especially leaving their, their father and, and, and husband behind that are staying to fight or to aid the best they can and, and right. put yourself in the shoes of those volunteers having to to care for their family, but also care for other people's families. So the bravery, the courage uh, is certainly there, but it's uh, it's all coordinated mm-hmm. also with Caritas Internationalist, Caritas Polong, uh, Romania and all the others. So it's a really amazing effort uh, from Caritas to have that long time experience in dealing with emergency. But this mm-hmm. one is this, this one of the worst they've seen, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and that's on top of a a situation that we could have said even in the previous years was already a difficult situation for many people in Ukraine. Um, Victoria, there's a large Ukrainian population here in Canada. How is the situation affecting them?
3: Uh, Sometimes, me personally, I think it probably would be easier for me to be there than here in Canada. And many people think so. Um this is psychological mental wounds. And these people, Ukrainians here, um, they also need healing. They also need our attention, our support. And we can see it, you know, like when yesterday I left my work and I saw on my windshield uh, covered with snow, someone wrote, Slava Ukraini, of Slava. You know, these tiny things. Or yesterday, a person came to my house, my daughter opened the door, and there was a person standing with three boxes of pizzas and saying, we support Ukraine, have a wonderful dinner. You know, these kinds of things are are very needed because Ukrainians here suffer as well in Canada. Um, And there is the threat that... I had one such a day that I was so much closed in my heart that I didn't want to speak to anyone. I didn't want to listen to anyone. A question, how are you, Uh, brought me pain, you know? That's why, and I know that there are lots of people suffering like me as well here in Canada, and we need to support them, and we need to react, and we need to show our... To be good Samaritan to them, you know, and mm-hmm. and S- Saskatoon, Saskatchewan really responds well. We had Ukrainian rally this Sunday, or more than one thousand people gathered together, and I didn't want to go there because I was so much in pain. But I I thought I, I have responsibility to be among the community, mm-hmm. Ukrainian community. So I went with my family, and it raised my spirit. It gave me hope. It brought joy to my heart, you know. And these things are very, very needed. And when I see, like, people are making pierogies to sell to, mm-hmm. to fundraise for Ukraine, like uh, our young people organized and together with uh, their friends from the University of Saskatchewan, they are making bracelets and fundraise for Ukraine. And there are lots, lots of response and support. And it makes, it gives hope. It gives, uh, it shows their love and care. So we are not the passerbys, like in the Parable of Good Samaritan. But we are those who took, partially the load of the burden, pain on our shoulders, and take care of this. So.
0: Yeah, Thank you for sharing that. I I wanted to ask you what initiatives have been taking place in Saskatoon, and maybe we can come back to that as to maybe other initiatives that are happening across the country here in Canada. But first, uh, Bishop Beda, I think it can be uh, disheartening for a lot of people, especially here in Canada, when we feel that there's not much we can do. We see how the the, the world is responding and maybe we don't even agree with how the world is responding. What do the people of Ukraine need right now? What do they really need?
1: Um, I've been asked this question a lot and uh, I remain with the same answer and repeat it again. Uh, all people, no matter where they are, uh, become united with Christ. Do what you are supposed to do given the gifts you've been given to be Christ for others. Because when they see you and they see Christ, it's an encounter that gives them strength to do the same. That is the true foundation of unity. That is the true foundation of becoming fully human. Uh, You know, not to get too philosophical here, but that is is definitely my prayer, that that people uh, unite themselves with Christ in prayer. And if we do that, uh, we bring everybody and we give the best chance to anybody without faith, those who are succumbing to sinfulness, even in the midst of all of this, uh, mm-hmm. this aggression, uh, that, that is our salvation, to become yeah. one with Christ. And, and so I, 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 I offer that again, pray. Uh, right. Not all of your gifts are going to be used right now. There's timing. You have to wait. Some of the gifts that you have will come into play in a week's time or in a month's time. Uh, and then until then, uh, unite yourself with Christ, listen to the Holy Spirit in your heart. And uh, at, at, at the right time, you probably will know a little more clearly how you're to maybe take some some tangible action or contribution of time or treasure or, or talent. Right.
0: right. It, it is my sense that the uh, Ukrainian people are a very faithful people, at least the Ukrainians I know. Um, Carl, how, how are the churches as institutions in Ukraine, how are they trusted by the people? Uh, are, do people is there a good relationship between,
2: let's say, the church and the state? Put, put the state aside for a minute. Um, the, uh, my experience in going to Ukraine and with the Ukrainians in general, mm-hmm. whether Catholic or Orthodox, is that uh, the church, uh, churches and the, them is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ukrainian people never had a chance to have a country before, maybe a couple of years during the Nazi period in the 1940s. But that's it. Beside that, they were never able. There was always an empire, whether it's the Hungarian Empire, the Australian Empire, the Tsar Empire, Soviet Union Empire, that always, always made clear that they would put the Ukrainian people at their place and and still... Today, they are there. During the uh, last uh, 30 years, there's been two revolutions in 2004 where the people in the church spoke loudly, finished with the uh, Russian interference in our affairs. In 2014, the uh, people spontaneously went to the streets and told their pro-Russian president, we don't want to deal with Putin. We want to be a nation. And the church was always behind, was right there with the people. Mm-hmm. And, And that's important to understand. It's something we have a hard time in our secular society in Canada to understand is the church is the people. The people is the church. There is a a total strong unity uh, in it. It, There's a trust. If there's Mm -hmm. one institution left in all of this that the Ukrainians have trusted over the centuries, not over the decades, the centuries is their church. Why? Because their church is with them. It is Mm -hmm. them. And, and, and so that has given that strength. That's why we're seeing it now. I mean, look at this comedian of a president, uh, Zelensky, who was not taken seriously. Who would have thought mm-hmm. that this man would have become who he is? Mm-hmm. Right? Leading a Christian nation, being Jewish himself. I mean, right. talk about inclusivity, talks mm-hmm. about uh, multidisciplinary. I mean, this is the reflection of how good this society is in accepting differences. And, and thriving on it as well. And, and that history between the Orthodox churches, the Catholic churches, the Jewish people, mm-hmm. uh, and also the small group of Muslim in that country are a very, an honor to what, an example of what a society can be. And the fact that now you have its neighbor, Russia, that wants to destroy everything it represents speaks for itself.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The positive the positiveness the greatness of ukraine is threatening people that are moving away from god let's put it this way that's what right. is going on
0: and 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 to go back to the church and state the, the, does the church and the state have good
2: relations uh, of course they have yeah. they have absolutely but not during the uh, the pro russian uh, the pro russian period uh, of 2013 to 14 15 mm-hmm. 14 sorry It was not going well. The pro-Russian president, I forgot his name uh, at that time, uh, was starting to follow church leaders, uh, threatening them. Thousands of people were put in jail for no reasons. It was going like Belarusia. It had Mm -hmm. been stopped by the people themselves and the church. They did not want that together.
0: Right. Victoria, we heard Bishop Beta telling us that what we need is prayer, and I don't think anybody would dispute that, although you also mentioned some other initiatives with the bracelets, for example, um, are there other initiatives that you've heard that are happening across Canada or in other countries or any other ways that you can think Canadians can help the situation other than prayer?
3: You know, I hear lots of initiatives coming out from large communities or from small communities but what makes my heart warmer is the initiative that come especially from the children, from young people. Uh, like one family, their children were collecting money to go to, re- to Ukraine for a trip. And mm-hmm. they gave all their money collected uh, to donate for like in solidarity for Ukraine to support Ukraine so these small initiatives come from the bottom of their hearts mm-hmm. and from their pain and support for Ukraine this mm-hmm. is what makes me feel really stronger and it warms my heart yeah
0: yeah and and sometimes it's those little little actions that that make that make the most difference Um, And and hopefully the people in Ukraine are also receiving some of those those, uh, feelings that come as a result of those actions. Um, If people do want to donate financially because financial support is needed, as the church and church agencies on the ground are responding and supporting, providing comfort and refuge and all those practical things that Carl was mentioning earlier, for those of you that want to support financially here in Canada, you can do so through Catholic Near East Welfare Association, that's canewa.ca, or through Aid to the Church in Need, that's acn-canada.org, and through Development and Peace Caritas, that's devp.org. I think that the right thing for us to do is to conclude with prayer uh, bishop i i you were very clear in saying that that's what we need not just the people in ukraine but all of us maybe um it maybe is not uh, a coincidence or uh that it is the season of lent and so would you would you like to lead us in prayer for your country and for the people of ukraine
1: as as i lead you in prayer your prayer is is very profound uh, so God is hearing your words just as much as mine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of might, the God of our salvation, through the grace and mercies of your only begotten Son, look upon your humble servants and give heed to our prayer. Behold our people defending human dignity and democracy against an unjust aggressor, with a fierce invasion into the land of our fathers and mothers, our beloved Ukraine. We still hear our mother's maternal loving voice as a mother speaks to her child, as she spoke to San Juan Diego and to all the people so many years ago. Listen, put it into your heart, my youngest son, that what frightened you, what afflicted you is nothing. Do not let it disturb your face or your heart. Do not fear this sickness or any other sickness or any sharp or hurtful thing. Am I not here, I, who have the honor to be your mother? Are you not in my shadow and under my protection? Am I not the source of your joy? Are you not in the hollow of my mantle and in the crossing of my arms? Do you need anything more? We thank the Mother of God for these eternal words. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.
0: Thank you very much, and and be assured that we will continue praying for you, for your families, and uh, for your country, and for the people of Ukraine. That was a panel discussion I had with Bishop Brian Beda of the Ukrainian Catholic Eparchy of Saskatoon. He's also the Apostolic Administrator of the Ukrainian Catholic Eparchy of Toronto and Eastern Canada. Carl Hetu, Executive Director of Development and Peace Caritas Canada, and Victoria Marko, who is the Youth and Young Adult Minister at the Ukrainian Catholic Eparchy of Saskatoon. This conversation first aired on our TV program Faith in a Time of Crisis on Salt and Light Television. You can watch it on Salt and Light Plus. At SLMedia.org. If you would like to support relief efforts in Ukraine, you can do so through Catholic Near East Welfare Association, that's CNEWA.ca, Development and Peace, DEVP.org, and also through Aid to the Church in Need, that's ACN Canada.org. You're listening to a special edition of the Saltonite Hour looking at the war in Ukraine. I'm Deacon Pedro. As the conflict entered its third week, the United Nations Refugee Agency reported that nearly two million Ukrainians had left their country seeking refuge and safety in other countries. That number today is up to three million. At the time, I spoke with Lydia Batig, a young Ukrainian student in Rome, who is volunteering at the Saint Sophia Community for Ukrainian Catholics in Rome. Lydia, welcome, thank you for being with us today.
4: Thank you for this invitation. I'm very glad to be here.
0: Now, you're a, you're a Ukrainian living and studying in Rome. I want to ask you first uh, about your family. They're still in Ukraine. How are they doing?
4: Yes, my family is actually uh, now in Ukraine. In Lviv, it's the western part of Ukraine. They are more or less in, in a safe place. Um, of course, they are worried a lot, but uh, they decided to remain in Ukraine because my mom is a doctor and she has work responsibilities and brother is uh, in this age that he doesn't want and he cannot leave Ukraine because he needs to protect the country.
0: Yes, that must make you very worried.
4: Uh, of course, for, yes. for family and for whole people in country.
0: I can imagine now you're in Rome Rome has a very large Ukrainian population a large diaspora in Rome and you're at Saint Sophia which is one of the more central uh, Ukrainian Greek uh, Catholic parishes tell me what's happening there what how did how is the community mobilizing to help?
4: Actually, I was surprised of how uh, our Ukrainian community diaspora and also Italians mobilized to work, operate together. We are working on sending the humanitarian help. Basically, it's food, clothes and the most important medicine to Ukraine, to Western Ukraine, and later it's spread to other cities. And of course, we are working with refugees. So it's not a direct work. We are consulting them to what structures in Rome they can um, call uh, contacts they can reach. Because people who are coming here, first of all, they are shocked. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it's women with children who feel uh, really lost. And the third question, it's uh, the third problem, the language problem because it's easier for our refugees in Poland than in Italy. It's totally different mentality and language. Yes. So we are trying to give any possible help we can, but the issue of refugees on the official level it's mostly embassy that is right.
0: Uh, right. You know. So I, I do want to ask you a little bit about the, the, the help and the supplies that you're, you're sending over to Ukraine, but tell me a bit, little bit more about the refugees. So there are already refugees from Ukraine arriving in Rome?
4: Yes, actually, they are called, uh, called, if I'm not mistaken, English forced refugees. And they are coming, a lot of people, to Rome. It's only now the first wave of refugees, so it will be more. And they are coming from all parts of Ukraine, women mm-hmm. with children. There are mostly no stories about men coming here, I have heard. No, women who are trying to escape this war tragedy that we have.
0: Right. And you mentioned that there are obviously Ukrainians who live in Rome, but also a lot of Italians who have come to help. How uh, about how many volunteers are helping at the at the church right now?
4: There are coming a lot of Italians who have no relatives in Ukraine. They just saw news, the tragedy in our country. and. Actually, I see every day the same people working with medicine, other people working with food. We have Italian doctors who are just coming to divide medicine because it's a very important issue to send, um, Mm -hmm. for example, uh, antibiotics and uh, uh, medicine for people with diabetes and all these doctors are just coming before their job. for one hour and they are changing each other. We have some German doctors who are here for a few days, I saw they live in Italy and just come to help. So a lot of people, men and and women.
0: And where do do all the supplies come from? Who's donating them?
4: Uh, Italian people, they are calling and asking what do we need, Italian organizations, schools, Uh, individuals who are asking, people are asking and calling that they want to accept families with children. And Mm. sometimes when we cannot find this family, they call Mm. again and they tell, please don't forget about us because we are ready. We have nice room. Uh, We have some play uh, yards for children. It will be very comfortable conditions. So it's really heart touching.
0: When the refugees arrive in Rome, where do they go? Do they come to your church or or, or, or do they go somewhere else?
4: Usually these refugees who arrive, they have some or their mom working here or their relatives, but right. there are stories of people uh, from cities that are bombarded who are just coming, they're just running and calling from airports, standing and crying that we are here, we don't know where to go. And, So all organizations here are trying to help them because to call from Ukraine to Italy and say, we are coming tomorrow, prepare something for us. Mm -hmm. It's impossible now. So uh, there are different cases. So it's really, really hard.
0: Um, How difficult is it to send the supplies that you're gathering and preparing? How difficult is it to send them to Ukraine?
4: Um, It's a bit difficult, but we already sent 20 um, big tracks in English, if it's right, with food, mm-hmm. medicine. And it's not difficult maybe on human resource because people are calling and saying, we are have this track, we want to help. But it's a question that for now it was okay in the Polish border, but mm-hmm. we don't know how the situation will go next days. And what about these humanitarian corridors? Will it be safe or not? Right. People, Italians, are willing to risk, and it's just, uh, I, I, I'm surprised in a very positive way about this.
0: How do you feel not being in Ukraine right now?
4: I actually feel terrible about this, and every time when I'm going to bed, I think that I at least have light, food, warm room, and my family should stay in this, uh, with the sound of the ser- serene and uh, being scared my friends are in the cities that bombarded. And I feel in some way that um, I'm not with my with my nation in this time. I'm not going through these hard moments. And I feel guilty, to be honest.
0: Yeah, well, you shouldn't feel guilty. You're doing a lot to help. And uh, I don't need to thank you, but I know the people of Ukraine thank you. And uh, be assured that our prayers are with you, Lydia, with you and all the volunteers. Thank you for what, what you're doing. Thank you so much. That was a conversation I had with Lydia Batig, a Ukrainian student living in Rome. I also spoke with Simone Tropea, an Italian journalist who is volunteering with the Jesuits at the Romania-Ukraine border. Simone, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Now, you've been, you've been at the Romanian border for about 10 days now. What, what did you see when you first arrived?
5: Well, when I arrived, I see a lot of people arriving from Ukrainian, very scared, very confused, and I, and I try to, to take uh, more information as possible about uh, their life, about situation. It was very, very sad, very difficult, very hard to take their uh, history in the end.
0: Who were the people that were there? Was it mostly women and children? Who Who's coming to the Romanian border?
5: At the beginning, we're, we're, try- we're coming uh, in particular rich people, who can arrive with uh, their car, who can arrive with uh, money, liquid money. So then um, it started to arrive also poor people, mm-hmm. and it was uh, harder to take them, uh, to give them uh, help to found a, a reference in, in Europe for them. Okay. And uh, so uh, yes, um, now the situation is uh, hard. With these refugees,
0: they're coming through Romania because presumably they have family or friends in Romania, or are they going hoping to go somewhere else to a different countries in Europe?
5: Well, really, they are desperate, desperate. So they are coming through to Romania because it's the. Uh, It's very close to Ukraine, but uh, they want to arrive in Germany, in uh, Italy, a lot of people in Italy. In Italy, there is the biggest Ukrainian community in Europe, in Spain, in France, all European countries.
0: Right. And now you're working with several Jesuit organizations, but what is your job? Like today, what,
5: what would be your job today? Well, as you said, um, uh, the the biggest part of these people are women with their children. So uh, our job is to protect them. First of all, to protect them from uh, uh, the danger to be victims of traffic of people, eh? Uh, prostitution, uh, uh, traffic of organs. Really? That that were this kind of uh, risk at the beginning. Really? and to receive them, uh, to welcome them, and to send them uh, in uh, other European town where they have a parent uh, or families. or
0: Right. Um, I've heard that there are people from all over Europe traveling to these border cities. To just to offer their cars, to take people back to wherever they're going. I've heard that even f- from as far away as Spain. You're Italian. Are there other Italians with you working with the Jesuits? From what other countries are represented?
5: I think from all European countries, really. Europe- also America. So Australian people also, uh, of course, uh, also Canadians. A lot of people. I think that uh, from all the world, uh, I moved uh uh, a sea of uh, attention to this problem. No, a people who is very, um, very, very involved and very touched from uh, from Ukrainian crisis.
0: Right. And how are the people in Romania welcoming the the refugees, or how are they feeling about all these refugees coming to their country?
5: So I can uh, say what I what I see. Uh, Romanian families were fantastic. They received and uh, welcome uh, Ukrainian families, especially Christian families. Christian Romanian families have received in their own homes uh, Ukrainian families, giving them food, giving them uh, uh, protection, giving them also help uh, with documents uh, or help with travels to 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 go outside the country and uh, mm-hmm. and to go to other uh, European European cities.
0: Are the Jesuits able to offer any spiritual support, or are there priests that are there? I know that Ukrainians are very faithful people. What what do you see in, in that realm? Are are they uh, providing
5: help? Of course they are, because uh, this is the first mission. These people are traumatized, are yeah. scared, are very suffering for uh, this situation. So the first the first of all is to give them um, spiritual uh, comfort, spiritual uh, help. And the Jesuits are, uh, are very, very involved in that. Also Orthodox priests, also evangelical churches.
0: Yes, yes, ab- absolutely. So it's not just the Catholic Church that's helping, but also all the other Christian communities. Simone, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for for speaking with us today. And thank you, for, thank you and all the other volunteers and the Jesuits that are, are, are working hard to make this difficult situation a little better for the people of Ukraine. God bless you. Thank you. That was a conversation I had with Simone Tropea, an Italian journalist who is volunteering with the Jesuits at the Romania-Ukraine border. It seems that the one thing that is consistent about the situation in Ukraine is that it is changing by the minute. Still, Catholic organizations are on the ground, working tirelessly to help in any way possible. To give us an update, last week I spoke with Anna Dombrovska projects officer for Ukraine for Catholic Near East Welfare Association Anna uh, thank you for joining us today
6: Thank you Deacon Pedro
0: I'm sure Anna that had we spoken yesterday what you're going to tell us is maybe a little different than what you would tell us today because the situation is changing so much so what can you tell us about what's different today than maybe a week ago
6: You're absolutely right the situation in Ukraine is changing with uh, with an hour so uh, our main uh, focus from right now is on uh, civilians, Uh, they're, uh, Ukraine is now in the second week of war uh, with Russia with no help from outside, uh, from other countries um, and uh, the situation is uh, getting worse and worse for the civilians. Uh, So those cities that are occupied by russia uh, are now cut off of any supplies we were talking about the city of mariupol uh, the Kharkiv was bombed bombarded in another city as well the city of Sumy in the northeast uh, so these people need to the people there need to escape they need uh, just food and, and shelter and the humanitarian corridors are right now the most important topic
0: Yes, I was gonna ask you about those. Have you found that I mean what we're hearing in the news is, is actually what's happening, that those corridors are actually not being very effective?
6: That's true. Unfortunately, um, that today what happens today happened today. The, the, all the corridors were announced to be open, mm-hmm. uh, and not all the people actually managed to get through. So the last time it was a failure. So people started leaving, and then it was shelled, uh, which is like the worst thing that you can do. Um, right.
0: It, Right. So so Caritas and, and other church organizations are on the ground working. Is it fair to say that, the I mean, other than giving a little bit of help and supply for the people that have to stay or couldn't leave, that the, the focus of the help is to help the people get out?
6: Um. Yes, the, the focus of courageous and other partners of uh, Knewa in Ukraine um, is um, to help the displaced, whether they are staying in the surrounded cities of Mariupol to get humanitarian aid there, whether they're moving from east to center and to the west mm-hmm. and to help them stay like there, and whether they're leaving the country and going across the border. So all, on all these parts, there is a, a need for a lot of help, and we are talking about about more than two million refugees that crossed the border. We are talking about half of the population of the Ukraine's capital, the city of Kyiv, that mm. left the city, and we are talking about an uh, estimate of 12 million people inside Ukraine that will need support in the recent days. Uh, mind uh, the population of Ukraine is 42 million people.
0: Mm-hmm. I know. Um... What stories are you hearing from Catholic Near-East welfare, or Caritas partners on the ground?
6: Well, Caritas had to uh, to move out their staff from some of the cities, including including Mariupol, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they can They still try to help from Zaporizhia, Dnipro, and Kramatorsk, and these are the cities um, closer to the east. Uh, also, many of the efforts, the Glare head office was uh, evacuated from Kyiv, that is the capital of Ukraine, to Lviv, uh, the mm-hmm. western uh, city of Ukraine. And Lviv and uh, other um, west, southwest cities of Ukraine just became hubs for uh, that are welcoming displaced, getting humanitarian aid. Uh, so that's where Caritas efforts are. Um, uh, are placed right now. I wanted to add that all the uh, Ukrainian Greek Catholic priests remain in their places. They do not go anywhere.
0: Right. Yes, we've heard that that, that all or the majority of priests have have chosen to stay. How difficult is it to send humanitarian aid to cities like Mariupol?
6: Well, that, that was the case. Karitas Ukraine tried to send their humanitarian uh, humanitarian uh, um, supplies and it was shelled. So they had to move back and they did it a couple of times. The so Russian forces want to, uh, to get their humanitarian supplies from mm-hmm. Russia. Uh, that's the only explanation why it is done this way and not in a human way.
0: Would you say that the people that you have on the ground, Caritas, Catholic Near East Welfare Association, and other church organizations, that they're relatively safe. How are they?
6: Well, they estimate the safety, and definitely, um, it's it's dangerous to be uh, anywhere west of Kiev and Kiev, and around Kiev. So mm-hmm. let's say, so sorry, not west, east, east of Kiev and around yes. Kiev.
0: So that's towards the Russian border
6: yes it's it's yes. dangerous and uh, big cities that are close to strategic objects like uh power uh, atomic power plants we're talking about zaporizhia you heard about the, the power plant being bombarded there mm-hmm. so and and, and uh, military bases these are the places that are like not not safe
0: we've heard earlier in the program from from two volunteers that are working in different places how are the efforts of Caritas and other church organizations like Kanewa uh, working in, in other countries like Poland, Romania, Moldova, and other countries, Slovakia? Uh, are some of the efforts concentrated in those places as well to help refugees?
6: Absolutely, because the influx of refugees is so uh, unprecedented. It's, it's the biggest, largest since the, the Second World War, and it's getting yes. more more and more, and it's a humanitarian catastrophe for Europe. Um, uh, so the the governments of Poland, Hungary, Slo- Slovakia, they are overwhelmed. They are asking for help in in welcoming refugees, uh, and uh, we know that uh, two cardinals were sent uh, for, from from the Vatican to to help with those efforts. I was and going Cnevo, to
0: ask you about that. Yes,
6: and Knéva is preparing to to. Uh, under understands that our efforts are important there as well and we're prepared to to provide help uh, to Catholic uh, church organizations and to car- carriages in the neighboring countries.
0: Yes I, I wanted to ask you if you can tell us more about the the purpose of the Cardinals that were sent from the Vatican one of them is is Cardinal Michael Cherney, he's Canadian. Um, and he was sent to Hungary as first, but my understanding is that both of them are in Ukraine right now. Is there anything else you can tell us about that, the purpose of that delegation or that mission? Uh,
6: yes, that's a great support uh, for for all those humanitarian efforts and mainly the, the uh, message of peace and, and the hope. Uh, for those people who are there in in a state of of being displaced, um, the the efforts of both cardinals Michael Czernyak, Konrad uh, Kryevsky is to to unite people, to unite efforts, to help the refugees, and to to um, to help bring peace um, there. Uh, yes, both of them are in Ukraine, and despite it's quite dangerous for them, mm-hmm. they're there. Uh, they're talking to to the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church Archbishop uh, Svetoslav, uh, meeting with um, with with other other um, denominations just to find solutions and and to make sure uh, all the efforts are are, are helping the people.
0: Mm-hmm. I know it's, it, it's, a, it's an action that has huge significance, and it's heroic when many people are leaving Ukraine to actually have people going in to see how they can help and support. Anna, you are Ukrainian. You're here in Canada, but I know that you have family and friends in Ukraine. How are they, and what are they telling you?
6: Well, um, I was telling them to flee as soon as they can, frankly speaking. But many of my relatives, they didn't want to go. No. Uh, and and we know that people in Ukraine do not want to give up uh, this is like very heroic attitude however uh, if you're if you cannot help you have to leave because otherwise you will just be in as an in- interference uh, so um, my my grandmother is in Kiev, and she said she's not gonna leave um, and yeah. every time I I hear a, a phone call from her, I'm thinking that might be the last one. My brother is there as well, uh, but the rest of the relatives are outside.
0: And, and is your brother staying because he he's, he's not allowed to leave because he's of fighting age, is that correct?
6: Yes, uh, that's true.
0: Yeah, well, our prayers are with you, Anna. Is there anything else that you would like Canadian, Canadian Catholics to know about how, how they can help? Of course, they can pray, but what else can they do?
6: Uh, Well, that would be really great, Uh, and and, and help is already uh, felt in the donations, the general donations that uh, Canadians do through Catholic Near East Welfare Association, we are very grateful for that. So the most effective way to help would be to donate, uh, because uh, this way, it's easier with the logistics. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's getting the help is getting faster on the ground. Um, so and um, our donors were very generous. Uh, you know you can donate through different uh, charities. Uh, mm-hmm. And Red Cross is doubling the donations by the gov- uh, through, through gov- uh, government is doubling donations to Red Cross. But uh, one generous couple in Canada is also uh, matching the donations that is made to Canada. Uh, up to a half a million dollars Uh, so uh, people are extremely generous other way to don, other ways to help if you cannot donate or you think you can be helpful otherwise would be to go and volunteer volunteer on the ground I know people are going to Poland just to help Mm -hmm. uh, 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 welcoming the refugees Um, and another thing is to follow the news spread the truth and advocate for peace
0: yes those are all
6: and pray for peace.
0: Always, those are all very good suggestions. And I know that there's a lot of people who want to help and uh, and we have seen the generosity. Ana, uh, uh, the work that you're doing is incredible. I can't imagine how busy and how worried you are. So thank you for taking a little bit of time to speak to us today. Um, and our prayers are with you and with your family.
6: Thank you very much, Deacon Pedro.
0: That was a conversation I had with Anna Dombrowska, Projects Officer for Ukraine for Catholic Near East Welfare Association. All these interviews first aired on our Salt and Light Media production, Faith in a Time of Crisis. You can watch all of them at SLMedia.org. To support the Ukrainian relief, you can do so through Catholic Near East Welfare Association, that's CNEWA.ca, through Aid to the Church in Need, ACN Canada.org, and also through Development and Peace, DEVP.org. Thank you for your support and for your prayers. I'm Deacon Pedro and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour.
7: If these walls could speak they'd have nothing to say If these ears could hear again Would they hear you breathe my name Absent hearted The heavens turn their aim, and dare I moan a word once more. Every day persists the same. persist the same